you, thank you. Open up your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 1. Today we're going to talk about young earth creation. The video gave us the simple understanding of what a Christian's worldview should be when it comes to creation. We're in a worldview series right now, and the worldview is how you see the world. It's the glasses that you put on mentally that you see the world from. When you look at the world, do you look at the world and say, oh, look at what nothing did when it exploded billions of years ago and how nothing has over time randomly evolved into all of this? Or do you look at the world through the glasses of a Christian and go, look at God's beautiful creation? We're in a worldview series that's testing our worldviews because everybody has one. And when it comes to creation, everybody has a worldview. How did we get here? Why are we here? What happens when we die? Now this conversation can't just take place here on a Sunday for an hour as I speak. It has to continue on. So that's why I give you all of my notes. If you haven't downloaded our app, go ahead and get it. It's on Google and Apple, the Google App Store and the Apple Store. You can pick it up and follow with me. And then this week, go to all of the links. I have close to 50 links. I have close to 100 hours worth of research on my notes right now. That's how long I've been spending on this sermon and preparing it and looking at different things. If I, if, if I did not do that, it would be because I wouldn't have cared, but I did care. So if you care about the subject, do not think that I'm glossing over things. Go back and research. But when we go to the Bible, we see within four words, four words of the first sentence of our Bible that there's a God. In the beginning, God. Now, I want you to understand, if you believe the fourth word, you can believe the fifth word, which is created. If you believe the fourth word, you can believe the fifth word. Do you believe in the fourth word today, God? Then you should be able to believe in the fifth word. After I read this today, even if you were a scientist, and most of us are not, and I totally am not, so let me just make that clear right now, but even if we were all scientists today studying in the greatest laboratories in Harvard, Princeton, Yale, or on our, um, our grants from the government doing different things, that should not change those first four and five words. Nothing should change that. There's nothing in all of science that will ever change there being a God, and there's nothing in all of science that will change that he created it. As a matter of fact, as I read this today, this is more relevant to our world than it has ever been. Because now with science, we know more about our world than we ever have. So we shouldn't look at this and go, oh man, look at what those silly people believe thousands of years ago. Those dumb people living in the Middle East, those sheep herders, they didn't know anything. No, we should look at this as the voice of God and hearing him speak to us because how many know he was the only one that was there? I mean, maybe the angels would have saw it, but but the heavens being created, they weren't there for that because they had to be created after the heavens were created. So understand this. God was the only one there, and we should take it serious. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right there, I believe that the heavens refer to matter, space, and time and to heavenly spiritual realms. That's where the angels are going to live. That's where the throne of God is going to be. So understand this. Before verse 1, God dwelt in eternity, Father, Son, and Spirit with no throne, no angels, all by himself in no matter, space, and time, no material world. In verse 1, we now see things change. God creates matter, space, and time, a physical universe, and heavens, because we read through the Bible, a spiritual place where angels will dwell. He'll have a throne there. That's what happens right there. And then earth now is going to be the place where we're at. So everything he's now going to say moving forward is going to be as if he was taking you through earth's perspective of what was happening. Because we live on earth. We don't know about galaxies way over there. And this book had to be relevant to the people it was written for. So he couldn't go off into 21st century science when people at that time didn't have it. It would been a mystery that they couldn't have solved. So he's now saying, I created heavens and earth, and now place yourself on the earth and see how he describes it. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So when he made the earth, he must have made it as a mass of water. That was how he first started it. 
And then he said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. What caused the light to come on? God. Does it say he created the sun there? No, God gave the light. Now, right at this point, we realize this is a supernatural creation. Do we believe that Jesus is the light of the world? Do we believe that in him is light? And do we believe that after the book of Revelation is completed, as it tells us, and at the end of the story, that we live on a planet without a sun anymore? Do you believe that? So, yes, the Bible says that we will not have a sun anymore, that Jesus himself will be the light bulb. Are you all ready for that? So he starts it as he finishes it. He finishes it as he starts it. He shows he is the source of life. Now, right here over time, when people tried to explain the world without God and had to insert millions and billions of years, because that's what you have to do when you don't have a God, when they started to do that, they tried to now make maybe these days to be, to be ages. So maybe right here is a season of a couple billion years, and the next day is a couple billion years. And they'll use the scripture at, uh, that says uh, one day is like a thousand years to the Lord. Well, first of all, we couldn't have evolution fit into 6,000 years of creation if each day of creation stood as a thousand years, because they're saying it's millions and billions. And second of all, that scripture in Peter is only signifying what a day feels like to God, and that doesn't have anything to do with what actually a day was on earth, because it tells us there was evening and there was morning. That's how we know these are six 24-hour literal days, and we'll talk more about that later. So the first 24-hour cycle, God is the light. Verse 6, And then God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate the water from the water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. Everybody say sky. Thank you. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Could it be more clear in our Bible that it is talking about a 24-hour day? Now, why does it start with evening than morning? The biblical uh, counting of days is when the sun goes down, the day is over. When the light goes off, the day is over. We calculate by a time in the middle of the night at 12 a.m. That's when we say it is. But God made it real simple for the people. When you no longer see the sun, that's when that day is over. So the night comes. That's the beginning of a morning. That's the beginning of the morning. And so when you wake up and you see the sun, that is now mid-morning, and then you have the rest of the time, and then when the sun goes down, what we would call evening is now night. The day is over, and it starts another morning. How many understand what I'm saying there? It's very simple. He's being clear on how he's making everything. That is the second day. Now he goes to the third day, and God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let the dry ground appear, and it was so. So God called the dry ground land and gathered the waters. He, call, he, he gathered the waters and called them seas. And he saw that it was good. He keeps going. Verse 11, then God said, let the, let the land produce vegetation. Oops, excuse me. Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. Now this word kinds is going to come up a lot. We believe that God created things according to kinds, their general family. We do believe that things can change over time, but they'll remain within their kinds. Just remember that applies to plants and animals as well as even humans. And it was so, the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was morning, and then there was, God saw that it was good, and then there was evening and morning the third day. So by the third day, God has created light, God has created sky, and now he's created sea and land and all of the vegetation on the land. You have a choice, right? now as a Christian to believe that or not believe that. I decided to believe that because I believe Jesus in the Bible and he was the only one that was there. There is nothing that's going to get me to disbelieve what Jesus said right here. And we're going to talk about how they try to bring evidence against these things, but let's just start off as this. 
if we're going to take the Bible serious, we have to understand this is not a parable. Does anybody think this sounds like a parable here? Sounds like it's describing history to us pretty clear. Christians who try to now adopt evolutionary thought have to start saying this is a parable. Doesn't sound like one to me. He's being very clear about time frames. He's laying out orders of things, laying out the system and the way it's going to work. So right here, I'm just going, yes, Lord. I have no reason to disagree with that. Now, let me ask you a question. If I get a PhD in molecular biology, now do I have a reason to disagree with this? If I hear from somebody to tell me I went through the goo, through the zoo to you, now do I have a reason to disagree with this? No, because this is God's word. Do I believe God's word when it says the Red Sea parted? Do I believe God's word when a dead man got up out the grave, Lazarus, and then Jesus? Yes. Do I believe that the world is going to be judged? Yes. So I'm not going to science for any of those things. I'm going to the word of God. But as we will learn, and as we have learned before, all good science is based in this book right here. And all the branches of science were developed by Christians who believed this book. This did not prevent Sir Isaac Newton from discovering gravity and coming up with calculus, Francis Bacon and discovering the scientific method and to chemistry and all of the Christian scientists of the past and the scientific revolution believed these statements right here. And they were geniuses. And so, oh, to God that we would go back to the simple understanding of the world and then build science around it. Everybody say build science around it. Amen. Thank you. And then God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky. So now he's going to put stuff in the space to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred time. So that's going to be the stars and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And so it was. And God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. Now some people like to stop right here and say, well, this is so stupid. They thought the moon was a light. My friend, the moon is a light. It's not the source of its light, but it is a light. What do you think it shines for? Okay? It shines because it is reflecting light, and therefore it is a light. And we still call it moonlight, okay? We don't have to look at the Bible and say they're being stupid. Let's just give them the benefit of the doubt like I give you the benefit of the doubt when you say there's moonlight, okay? Just like when you say the sun rises, I don't think you all of a sudden believe in a flat earth. You actually are just describing what it looks like to us on earth. That's the same thing they're saying here. That light you see right there, that's called the moon. That's all it was. Now, how does that thing get light? Well, it gets it from the sun, okay, smarty pants? But now I want to ask the atheist, where did that sun get its light from? Something exploded a long time ago? What? Nothing exploded to make that thing have light. Just because you can poke holes in the Bible if you don't look at it from the way it was written doesn't mean it's false. Read it with an open and honest heart and you'll see exactly what it's saying is true. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. Does the moon give light on the earth? Yes. Have you ever been out on the beach and you see the moon and then the light that comes from the moon? It's beautiful on the water. It gives light to the earth. No argument here. Stupid is as stupid does. We're going uh, to wisen up. Amen. We're going to smarten up. God set them in the vault of the sky to give the light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, to separate light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning. That's the fourth day. No way around that. See, why, why do I have to keep clarifying what I'm reading here? It's because the world is against our worldview. They're against this, so I have to start defending it, don't I? But a thousand years ago, I would read and all of you guys would say amen. Now, you would think to yourself, well, we're a lot smarter than we were a thousand years ago. Yeah, but you were there at the creation of the earth. You that smart? You, you this smart? Now, no. What happened was, just like in anything, people turned away from God. Think about it like this. Why do scientists turn away from God? The same reason why you turn away from God. Why have you broken commandments? We don't even have to look at a telescope or a microscope. We know what a lie is, but how many of you have told lies before? So why do you think the world right now is against this? They're against this because they want to come up with a system that can explain the universe without God. But I'm not going down the path of the fool. I'm staying in the path of the righteous. Amen? So that was the fourth day. Let's get to the fifth day. And God said, let the water team up with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So birds and living creatures. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teams and that what moves about in it according to their kinds. So now we see kinds there. So animals are going to be like according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Somebody say good. 
See, that's why I don't believe in Christian evolution, because it's not good when you see death, and you see the survival of the fittest, and you see all of that happening, and now the Christian wants to say, well, this is parabolic, and we can make it fit. No, the Bible says when he made it the first time, it was good. According to evolution, it's never been perfect. According to the Bible, it was perfect. We mess it up, and we're getting it back perfect in Revelation. So if you believe in a God who can make it perfect in Revelation, believe in a God who makes it perfect in Genesis. Amen? So God saw that it was good and blessed them. It said, be fruitful, little birdies, and fish increase in number. Fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. So it's five days already, and we're seeing the creation of the world. Now remember this. God is not creating little tadpoles. He's creating whales. He's not creating little seeds. He's creating forest and, and beautiful, lush things. He's doing it in moments. Yes, we now know we have to plant, and it takes a long time for it to grow. But is God powerful enough to have a grown tree be created on that day or a grown whale? Does he have to wait for the little whale to grow? My friends, what is the material universe to God? He spoke it and it came into being. Of course he can populate it. And I love giving the illustration that if, that if we can go into a cartoon and populate whatever we want, or my children on their apps can put elephants over here and just do it like it's nothing on a computer, what do you think this world is to God? This is God's virtual reality. God can pop things as any, any way he wants. There's nothing illogical about that. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, wild animals, each according to their kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock. How many are happy he made livestock? Amen. According to their kinds. And all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Now verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock, and all the wild animals and all the creatures that move along the ground. My friend, I don't care how many times you watch Jurassic Park or how many times they remake those silly movies. We are better than dinosaurs. We are better than whales. Everything on this planet is under us. Under us, my friends. We're not to be intimidated by any animal. Now, that doesn't mean we should all put them extinct, but we are in control of this planet. Dominion belongs to us. Can I hear an amen? So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So we are to rule over them. So next time you go home or you look at your dog and say, I'm your ruler. I'm, God told me I'm your ruler. Now the Bible says be compassionate to the animals, right? We're not supposed to be mean to them. And if we eat them, we can do that in a way that's at least a slow death. I mean, not slow death, but a quick death, like a slow death. No, fast death when you eat that lechon or whatever. Most of us haven't been on a farm in a while and see how things die, but they do die, my friends. Okay, that hamburger came from somewhere. Okay, that taco, that atacheta came from somewhere. Somebody had to die for that, and that's an animal that God gave us. And we're going to figure out why they became meat eaters in a minute. But then God said, every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth, every tree that has fruit in it has been given to you, and that will be your food. And sometimes people say, well, man, can we smoke weed then too? Listen. There were never any poisonous things up until this point. And so now, once uh, we have, uh, after we have fallen, now things can be poisonous and things can be harmful. And some things can be in between. And drugs kind of fall into the in between. Sometimes they can be good if you don't have uh, any painkillers or whatever. Uh, you know, marijuana can be a painkiller rather. And if you're in pain. But that doesn't mean we abuse it because it becomes poisonous to our brain. Our brain doesn't like you giving it marijuana all the time. Okay? So these, this world they were living in, and nothing would have got them high. Nothing would have got them drunk. Nothing would have hurt them. Everything was blessed, the food, the herbs, everything. And to all the beasts of the earth and birds that fly in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And so we were meant to be vegetarians until we sinned, and then we were able to eat meat. So a part of the curse was eating meat, and actually in the book of Revelation, we'll stop eating meat, and then we'll go back because the lion will lay with the lamb. So if we do eat meat, it's not 
not going to be the line that's hanging out over there, okay? We're not going to kill him and say, you're my meat now. So it's either God supernaturally creates meat or we don't eat it anymore. Now at the marriage supper of the lamb, we will eat meat because there's a time before God creates the earth over again. That's called the millennial reign. So for a thousand years, Christians will rule upon the earth and then he'll make a new earth. So during that thousand years, we'll be having feasts with meat and all of that. But after that and for eternity, what we call the new earth, there'll be no more meat. We'll go back to vegetarians and that's where there'll be no more sun either. God said, God saw all of that he had made. It was good and, that, and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Boom, there it is. Everybody say boom. That's where you came from. I believe that, okay? Now, I've got about a half hour to try to convince you of that because some of you have watched too many Discovery shows or you, or you had a professor tell you something. But I know that this is true, and the Bible says then he rested on the seventh day. So just as a review for you, just look at the picture. First day, he makes matter, space, and time and light with the earth. Second day, he makes the atmosphere. Third day, he makes the waters and the ground and then the vegetation. Fourth day, he puts all the stars in the sky, the sun and moon. And then the fifth day, he puts creatures in the sea, creatures in the air. And then the sixth day, creatures along the land. And then he makes mankind. I believe that. I will believe that until I meet Jesus. And I hope that you do too. Now, if anybody ever wants to debate whether or not as a Christian, those could be taken as ages or symbolic. The Bible is very clear in Exodus. Remember, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. He wrote Genesis and he wrote Exodus. Look at what Moses wrote in Exodus 20, 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He is very clear. The reason why they would work six days and take off one is because God made the earth and all the heavens in six days and took off one. There it is. Are you waiting six billion years to have a day off? No. So that's the example of creation. I don't think it gets any more clearer than that. Now let me give some simple definitions as I try to teach a little bit here, but I do want to end with encouragement, so don't lose focus, okay? When we talk about young earth creationism, it can be uh, abbreviated as YEC. It basically means what we just read. God created the universe along with all the living things on the earth in six 24-hour days about 6,000 years ago. Now, how do we know it was about 6,000 years ago? If you click this link, you'll see the genealogies of the Bible that tell us when it was created. So it's right there for us. They actually gave us a genealogy. You can do the math. When we talk about evolution, what, we're, what we mean is the change in heritable characteristics of biological populations over successive generations. Now, if that was how the world meant it, we would absolutely agree because Christians believe that God made the earth to change over time and evolve. God made living creatures to change and evolve over time. Look at all the change of the living creatures here. Some are wide, some are skinny, some are tall, some are short, some are blonde, some are dark-skinned, uh, etc. And so if we look at what Darwin was trying to build his, his philosophy off of, he was just looking at the changes of finches on the Galapagos Island. Christians believe in this. Now, not all Christians believed in this, and so that caused some confusion. There were some Christians at this time that said God uh, uh, created the one on the right individually, the one on the left individually, the one over here, but that's not what many others believed. As a matter of fact, the only degree that Darwin had was in theology, okay? So that shows you how smart pastors can be, so you might want to listen to me every now and then. The idea was simple. He was just trying to show that God did not have to create all of the species that we see that they can change on their own. If he would have stopped there, we would have all agreed because that's what we still agree to. That's what we all see. We all know that over time things change. But what we don't agree with is what people have done since his time, and even in his time he started talking more about this, is that somehow we've come all the way from here, 4.5 billion years ago to this to this cascading thing from the goo through the zoo to boop, there you are. So here's your ancestor, a jellyfish. And then over here, here's a single cell organism. This is your great, 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 great grandpa. No, that's called make-believe for adults. 
We don't believe in that. That's what you have to do when you try to explain something without God. That's why the Bible says the fool says in his heart there's no God. They try to say this is science. This is no more science than I'm an astronaut, my friends. Just because somebody calls it science and does something in a laboratory doesn't mean it's true. Science simply means knowledge. What can you show as knowledge? They have theories and ideas for this, but they're wrong theories and ideas. Let me give you an example. Here's what human reason says. We started off with this gooey chemical thing way down here and then all of us have evolved from here and then we came from the worm that's your great uncle right there is the worm and then you went from you know the mushroom and then the butterfly and then you're somewhere over there that's not what the bible says nor is that what really science proves Everything they say about that is make-believe. It only exists on paper and in stories that start off a long time ago in a far, far, far away galaxy, this kind of thing happened. What does the Bible teach? He created them according to their what? Their kinds. He created them according to their kinds. And so isn't that what we see today? Yeah, we see kinds. So what was probably the first feline kind? We don't know exactly what it was like, but in the feline kind over time, there came a house cat, and there came a lion, and there came a jaguar, and there came a cheetah. But does that mean it came from the goo? No, it means it came from something that looked like a cat. That's where it came from. Something that looks like a dog is where all the, fe- uh, all the uh, canines have come from. These are the felines. And you can do this with every single creature on earth. We have never, ever witnessed, nor can we prove, anything becoming another kind. We can see, like with the finches, kinds changing, but we don't see them changing a bird or a dinosaur into a bird, as they're now saying or a dinosaur back into a bird. We don't see those things. What do we observe? What do we have fossils of? Do you know? (laughs) This is just where it gets silly, okay? First of all, let me just tell you, you can show facts to people, and if they don't want to believe, they still won't believe. Okay, there was a man one time that believed he was dead. Okay, he believed he was dead. He woke up, and he said, man, I have died. And he thought that he was in some type of purgatory or something, walking around. And so his family said, no, you're not dead. You're alive. And he said, no, I'm still alive. I mean, I'm dead. Uh, and then they tried to say he's alive. And they said, no, we're going to take you to the doctor to see if we can convince you. And so the doctor does his heart thing and says, look, I can hear your heart. And he says, man, that's just an illusion. This is all just part of my purgatory. And then the doctor said, well, maybe I can prove this to you. Do you think dead people bleed? And, and the guy goes, no, I don't think dead people bleed. So he takes out a needle, he pokes them, and he starts bleeding. What does the man say? Hmm, I guess dead people can bleed. <laughs> See, that, that's, the, that's the fool in their heart. Now, let me just give you a quick example. They say dinosaurs lived 100 million years ago. Guess what? Dinosaurs were a kind that God created. That's all. They were just a kind of extinct animal. There's more extinct animals than there's alive animals. God just made a kind of dinosaur. Do you know that alligators live with dinosaurs and they look exactly the same? Sharks live with dinosaurs. You can look up right now animals that live with dinosaurs. So they have to always keep changing how things extinct and why they're extinct. But listen to me. They have found dinosaur tissue, tissue. And they said to themselves, 100 million year old dinosaur tissue should not be here. So what did they say? Dinosaurs were created 6,000 years ago? No. I guess tissue can last 100 million years. I guess it can last that long. Whoever knew? Now we know dinosaur tissue can last 100 million years. And as the old saying goes, if you believe that, I I also have a bridge to sell in Brooklyn, right? When we look at really what the problem is, it's a simple problem. It's God's word versus what man wants to say. Now, they're really smart when they fight us, aren't they? When the world fights us, they know exactly what to go for, don't they? Where do they shoot their weapons at? What does the the world do to our word of God? They want to hit our word of God, and they go right to the Bible. You believe in a talking snake? You believe in this? You believe in six days, God? Come on, are you serious? My friends, we're going to learn how important Genesis is in just a few moments, how many doctrines. There's about 20 doctrines taught in Genesis. And so if they can get you, especially young people, to doubt the word of God in your school and get you thinking that you came from the goo through the zoo, then they can get you doubting Jesus rose from the dead as well. But now look at what the Christians do. Are the Christians hitting back on evolution? No. Look, at first this guy right here is shooting out his own foundation. He goes, you know what? I don't believe the Bible either in this. This guy over here, he's went to a conference to find a better self, and he's just shooting off into the sky. He don't even care about changing the world. 
Now this guy right over here, he's mad at, he's mad at his brother, so he's going to point his weapon at the other guy. I'm going to blow you away. And then this guy over here is sleeping. And then you got this one dear soul, God bless him. I'm going to go after abortion, and I'm going to go after this. But he's not attacking the root of their worldview. The foundation of their worldview is that they're nothing but animals. So what's wrong with abortion? You have no idea where I'll be going in the next few moments. You have no idea. So trust me when I tell you, we need to hit that foundation. And so what do they tell our children? Think about this. For the first time in American history, children are told to go to school, not hear a creator, see a creator, or speak of a creator. How, how can that be true knowledge? Why are they so afraid of our worldview? Why won't they let it in the textbooks? Why won't they let our scientists publish in their journals? You can get the movie Expelled by Ben Stein about how they kick us out of the universities the moment we don't go along with their religion because they want to promote it without any disruption. And they tell our children not to think about it. And so I want to tell you, young people, don't, make, don't let Darwin make a monkey out of you. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. You teach young people they're monkeys, what are they going to act like? So let me ask you, 100 years ago, were people acting like they are right now? No. We're acting worse than we've ever been. That's why we kill more babies than we've ever been, but we have better science to help keep children alive. That's why we don't know what a gender is, but our great-great-grandparents knew what a gender is living on a farm. And we didn't have the problem with the violence that we had. Yeah, people were crazy doing bad things, slavery and all that, but we're talking about killing your own people. We're not talking about conquering and these kinds of things. We're literally talking about young people shooting up homes where the grandma lives, killing children in the front yards. And guess what? It doesn't only just happen in bad neighborhoods either. It happens downtown every day in politics because you tell a politician he ain't nothing but a monkey ruling over a bunch of monkeys. He's going to do what monkeys do. He's going to be corrupt. He's going to try to get away with everything he can. And so really, is it a problem with science? Absolutely not. I can give you lists and lists of scientists who are Christians right now, the inventor of the MRI, astronauts, the people who invent all the things that we're using. Most of them were Christians or still have a Christian worldview. We're just building on their shoulders. And so the problem isn't science or smart people or who has evidence. We're all looking at the same planet, aren't we? We're all looking at the same stars. Astrophysicists are Christians. I will show you some here in a minute if I get time. So what's the difference? It's the worldview. One person looks at the skull and says, oh, that's a dead animal that must have lived a couple thousand years ago. Another one looks at it and says, oh, that came from a worm 10.3 billion years ago. You see, it's operating with the same hardware but a different operating system. We all got the God-given brain God gave us, but we're putting different information in. And so who's really living by blind faith? Who's really the one pretending that they, they're not, uh, you know, who's the one saying they're open-minded but it really isn't? The Christians are open-minded. And you can go back and research us over the last 25 years and see the predictions that we've made. Just for an example, I don't have time to get into all of them right now, but when Neanderthal bones were found, what did the Christians say? Hey, those are our cousins. Those are humans. They probably lived in a different populated area. They inbred, had no other option, and that's why they looked the way they looked. They're just humans. They're just like us. What did the world say? They're evolved apes. They're evolved these kinds of things. Well, guess what they found out over time? Those are our ancestors. They say we have about 20% of their DNA in us. Well, what did the silly Christians do at that time who followed the evidence? They said these people must have been soulless animals. And then they began to find out, well, guess what? They made tools. They had little flutes. We found them in their gravesites. So you've got a soulless animal playing a flute. But that's how they tried to do it. They tried to follow the science. And then guess what? Those were the same ones enslaving people saying they're just animals. They don't have souls. And so does it matter? Absolutely it matters how we look at the world around us. And if you're not convinced, I just want you to take time and look at it yourself. And so what's the problem with that kind of evolution? The problem is, is that it doesn't give an account for where things came from. It's like the devil said to God one day, I can do a better job than you. And, and God said, okay, I'll let you give it a try. And the devil was just standing there. And, and, and God said, well, what, what are you waiting for? And the devil said, well, I need you at least to give me some dirt. And he said, no, make your own dirt. Okay, you came from this explosion. Where did that explosion come from? You, you way down, this is the part they don't want to talk about. Where did that come from? How did this stuff right here have information in it? Because every time we go down deeper into these little things right here, we find out they have more code in them than most libraries. How in the world did that thing get information out of this thing exploding? Did, did a factory explode and make this? 
Give it a million billion years and it will do it. Okay, fool. You wait. I ain't waiting for a million billion years to try to convince me of that. I believe this. And when I say fool, I mean like I pity the fool. Amen? Come on. This is what one of the people said. He's not even a Christian. It's just people looking at it honestly now. They're getting fed up with it in the sciences. Because this one guy said, uh, Dr. Rupert Sheldrake, he said, is this, it's as if science said, give me one free miracle, and then from there we'll proceed to seamlessly explain everything. Okay, what's the miracle you want? The sudden appearance of all the matter, space, and time in the universe with the laws that govern it. So just give us that and we'll take it from here. No, leave your hands off all that. You don't get that. I have an argument here against naturalism. The naturalistic belief is to basically believe God didn't have any hand in this. Well, if naturalism can't explain the origin of the universe, it's false. And it can't. It can't explain where any of it came from. Because if, you're, if nature is your answer, if you're saying nature did it, and I ask you where did nature come from, can nature now be its own progenitor? Can nature be its own source? No. Can you be your own mom? Come on, somebody. If naturalism can't provide a foundation for where it came from, then we know it's false, and it can't. Therefore, naturalism is false, and we shouldn't rely upon it. And we've talked about that before. Here are things that the evolutionists, and we know evolution primarily has to do with living things, and they'll say, we just want to talk about living things. I don't just want to talk about living things. If you can't tell me where living things got their origin from, if you can't tell me where the information came from, I don't even want to argue about the beak of a bird. So I want to encourage all of you here today that find yourself maybe getting into arguments about the beaks of birds and fossils, just say this, let's not even waste our time arguing about the beaks of birds. Just tell me where that stuff came from and the information in that bird. Talk to me about that. That's where I keep it. Because without Christianity and without believing in God, you can't explain where things came from, why natural laws exist, where DNA and particles came from, why there's minds and why we can understand things, and if there's even morality. Because you're going to find out real quick what happens when people believe in evolution. They lose their morality. Not always. They may be hypocrites. And I'm glad there's hypocritical uh, Muslims that don't act like Muhammad. I'm glad there's hypocritical Catholics that don't do what the Crusades do. I'm glad there's hypocritical atheists and evolutionists that don't act like Darwin and, and uh, or rather what Hitler did, okay? I'm glad for hypocrites. How many are glad for some of those hypocrites in the world? But the point is, let their hypocrisy expose them and bring them to the Christianity, to the truth. So why do scientists have the issues that they do? Because they suppress the worldview. Why do you have the issues you do? Because you would suppress the worldview of the Bible. Look at Romans 1.18. The wrath of God is being revealed, against, or being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They're suppressing the truth of a creator. They're suppressing the truth of what God has done. Now look at what it says in verse 19. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has what? Come on, somebody say it. God has what? God has made it plain to them. How has God made it plain to everybody? Right here, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood by what has been made so that people are without excuse. Is there anybody that will go to hell with an excuse? No. There's nobody here. You can't say, well, you know, I was convinced by science to believe this. Uh, it was so convincing. No, you were being like a child in a pool trying to hold down a ball saying, look, there's no ball. There's no ball. But the whole time, what was the ball trying to do? Come up. You're saying, look, I can explain this. There's no God. I can explain this. But God will expose on judgment day in people's conscience what they were really doing. They were holding back the knowledge of God. Now everybody say, understand the foundations. Okay, so if you trade God for evolution, what do you have? Can I give you some stories about this? Come on, somebody say, make it plain. Stalin killed over 20 million people with communism because he believed in evolution. Period. Those of you here who are against communism should be against evolution as well. Communism is the bedfellow of evolution. Because it's an atheistic mentality. We don't need God. We'll create our own utopia. Now, if evolution is true, tell him why he's wrong. Why is Stalin wrong if evolution is true? Mao killed 65 million people, mostly of his own country. Tell me why it's wrong. Is it wrong for a lion to go and conquer all the other lions on the Serengeti? I'm asking a question. Is it wrong for the alligator to eat its young? Is it wrong, yes or no? Then why is it wrong for what Mao did? He didn't do anything wrong. 
Nothing wrong. How about Hitler? Hitler was not an atheist. He was a pagan, but it was Darwinism. The whole entire idea of the Aryan race was built upon Darwinism. Can I prove it to you? Somebody say prove it. Stephen Jay Gould is an atheist. He's an atheist from Harvard. He studied Nazism. Before there was ever Hitler, there was Heckel. And what Heckel believed was Darwinism. And look at what he taught. Evolutionary racism, his call to the German people for racial purity, an unflinching devotion to a just state, his belief that harsh and exonerable laws of evolution ruled human civilization and nature alike, conferring upon favored races the right to dominate others, all contributed to the rise of Nazism. So here's an atheist going, hey, Heckle here, I admit it, was the reason why Mount Kampf was Hitler's playbook because he was influenced by social Darwinism. Animals do it. Why can't humans do it? You know that Margaret Singer, the, plant, the founder of Planned Parenthood, started sterilizing poor people in our country because she said they didn't deserve to have a birth? Now because of Planned Parenthood, they've killed 7 million children, and abortion in America has killed over 30 million children. Why? Because it's not worthy of life. Do you know that right now, right now, evolutionists believe you should be able to kill your child up to a year old? This is the medical journal. Look at this, BMJ. You look this up. This is not some little weird website. BMJ Journal of Medical Ethics. You want to know what the medical ethic here is? These two doctors wrote about it. These are doctors with their PhDs. Now look at their foundation. Abortion is largely accepted even for reasons that don't have anything to do with the fetus's health. Right there, they just say, y'all already know we kill babies and it don't matter if they're sick or not. We just kill them to kill them. You, you know that. So let's take it one step further. So since we know this, both fetuses and newborns do not have the same moral status as actual persons. See, that's what happens when you believe you came from the goo through the zoo to the you. And it says right here at the end, what's the, what's the name of the paper? Why should the baby live? They say it shouldn't. It's your choice. That both, in fact, only have potential. So if we kill a fetus, we can kill a newborn. And the fact that they have potential is morally irrelevant. And it doesn't even matter if we want to adopt them. So it says right here, should after birth abortion, killing a newborn should be permissible in all cases where abortion is including cases where the newborn is not even disabled. It's already saying it's a no-brainer if it's a disabled newborn. Kill it right now. But we should be able to kill it for any reason. It's not yet a person. I could keep you here with videos that would continue to shock you and grieve you, but I'm not here to do that. I'm here to preach the Word of God. But I want to wake you up a little bit today. Somebody say, make it plain. So what are we supposed to do when we see that the world is running on evolutionary ethics. We're supposed to show them the truth of it. Now I have to get ahead of myself here a little bit. But where do you think social Darwinism helped slavery? Where do you, where do you think happened there? Look at what Tar Darwin wrote in his second book. The Western nations of Europe now so immeasurably surpass their formed savage progenitors that they stand at the summit of civilization. The civilized races of man will almost certainly exterminate and replace the savage races throughout the world. He called the people of Africa, the Aborigines, Central and, Central and South America, the Native Americans, he called them savages. They weren't even fully human. Stephen Gould, James Watson. Now you may say to yourself, well, that's just what they thought way back then. Today, 2015, James D. Watson, he's 79 years old. He's the co-discoverer of the DNA helix. You think he's pretty smart? Discovered the DNA helix. You know, that's the swirly thing. You know what he said about his surveys with African people? He said to the London Times that it's inherently gloomy about the prospect of Africa because all our social policies are based on the fact that their intelligence is not the same as ours, whereas the testing says they're, all, all of our social policies based on the fact that their intelligence is the same as ours, whereas all the testing says they're not really. 
They're doing tests on Africans right now saying that they are not as smart as Anglos even right now. So how long do you think it takes before National Geographic, after slavery is abolished, in 1916, says this about them? This is from National Geographic. They've admitted it. But look at what it says. Aboriginal Australians were called savages who rank lowest in intelligence among all human beings. They did that in 1916, and they're trying to do it again today. Because if evolution is true, there are more evolved people here, aren't there? Because there's more evolved dogs, aren't there? There's more evolved plants. Where do you think they get this idea from? Well, if you make up all these creatures right here, and you make them look half man, half ape, is it any wonder that today... I can go to a racist website. I searched for it and found it. This is what the racist says. We found your missing link. Look at his nose. Look at his eyebrow bridge. Look at his lips. Is it any wonder that when we look at even modern-day Aborigines, oh, there's your missing link. Looks just like the one over here. Looks just like that one. Oh, yeah, here's our missing links. Is it any wonder that we put them in human zoos? Human zoos, people, because we believe they were animals. Took the aborigines, cut off their heads, put their skulls on exhibits, put them in zoos. Took the pygmies, put them in zoos. You say, oh my goodness, that's not going to happen again. It's happening right now. And if evolution is true, the only thing stopping them, and I have the article right here, the only thing stopping the scientists from doing what they know is true is that they won't receive government funding because they keep watching what happens every time somebody believes it and teaches it, like that guy who discovered the helix, they, they stop giving them government funding. Now, what's the problem? The problem is we are from one race, the human race, but we believe it, and so we, we don't have a contradiction. They try to say we're from one race, the, the ape people, and the problem is, though, they keep drawing all these ape people. So what's going to happen eventually? People are going to say, well, there has to be ones that are more evolved than the others. So what's the solution? Believe in one human race created by God without going through these stupid phases of make-believe. Can I hear an amen? amen. So I have so many more things to share with you, but I want to close with this. Adam, would you come, please? Modern-day evolutionist. His name is Dr. Alex Rosenberg. This is what he wrote about the purpose of life. He said, is there a God? No. What's the nature of reality? Whatever physics says it is. And how many know physics doesn't say anything? Okay, so you have to have a human intelligence to do that. Now, notice this right here. What is the purpose of the universe? What does he say? There is none. What's the meaning of life? Ditto. There is none. Why am I here? Just dumb luck. Does prayer work? Of course not. Now watch this. Is there a soul? Is it immortal? What does he say? Are you kidding? Keep going, guys. Is there free will? Not a chance. See, evolutionists, as they talk to your kids, they're just like cults. They tell you the good stuff up front. They don't tell you what's waiting behind. This is a man who wrote his whole entire book about the purpose of an atheist life and basically said there is no purpose. And you know what he says? You don't even have a free will because do animals have free will? Does an animal choose today whether or not it's going to eat steak or whether or not it's going to eat grass? It operates on an instinct. You're just operating on an instinct. What happens after we die? Everything goes on just the way it was. Now watch this right here. Watch this. Everybody get it. You might think, oh, pastor, oh, he's this dumb. He's not as smart as the scientists I know. He's not as smart as these guys on TV. I want you to understand what you give up when you believe evolution. Watch this. Is there any difference between right and wrong, good or bad? There is no moral difference between them. He's being honest with his worldview, though, isn't he? How can he do it as an animal? How can he prove to you there's one animal being better than another animal? When you shake up a pop, a pop and you open it and it fizzes, is it wrong? When your brain fizzes anger, when your brain fizzes murder, when your brain fizzes, fizzes rape or childness, is it wrong? No, it's just brain fizz. You don't have a free will anyway. Why should I be moral? Because it makes you feel good. Now watch this. He's writing this in his own book. I have not put anything in his mouth. These are words from his own book. Is abortion, that's killing children, which we just saw they want to do that now with children that are up to one years old, euthanasia, killing our old people, killing our sick people, suicide, paying taxes, foreign aid, or anything else you don't like, permissible or sometimes obligatory? What is his answer? Anything goes. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. Why? Why does this man say this? Why does he say it? Because he understands this. 
Come on. Wake up. You all need to wake up and understand there's a battle going on. The devil knows how to get to our culture. He's not going to try to convince you with the devil with horns anymore how he's going to try to convince you that you're not worth anything and say you came from here. Because if you came from here, there is no morality here. There is no God that cares for you here. It's all meaningless anyways. And it is any wonder our suicide rates are the way they are. Is it any wonder that we can't get along anymore? That all of our social societies, all of our things in society are falling apart? Don't even know our genders anymore because it doesn't matter when you don't have a God in the mix. And you know what he said at the very end of his book? I have the quote right up here for you. You know what he said at the end of the book? He said, the self, the person, the I inside the body is an illusion. He said, you don't even exist as a person. How do you think Nazis put 10 million Jews in chambers of gas to kill them? What did they think about that person as they put them in? Not a person. They're rats. What did slave owners do? They're not person. They're soulless primates. Doesn't that sound like the gangbanger now? Doesn't that sound like the politician now? I don't care about you. You're nothing to me. Love my neighbor as myself. How can I do that? I'm not even a self. I'm a biological animal. I'm molecules in motion. And when I die, it don't matter. Isn't that the lie of the devil today? 21st century lies of the devil. Here they go, friends. It's up to you what you're going to do now. Like I said, probably 100 hours worth of study here. I wanted you to study from the Christian perspective. DNA, biological information, the diversity of animals. I have blogs and videos. I want each one, a blog and a video. In case you don't like to read, watch a video. You like to read instead of watch a video, I put both of them there for you. Noah's Ark, dinosaurs, age of the earth. I took my time and showed you all the predictions that our scientists keep making. Let me just give you another one right here. The world, the earth has a magnetic field and the planets have a magnetic field. If we're millions and billions of years old, this magnetic field should be very, very low. And yet it's very high. And they're trying to explain it. Just like the man who gets his finger pricked. Well, I guess dead people do believe. They're trying to explain it. One of the Christian scientists, an astrologist, said, uh, he studies astronomy. He said, when we send out these satellites in the 90s, I'll put my numbers on the table of what their magnetic field will be. And when they went there, his magnetic field was right and theirs was wrong. So guess what they said? Oh, I guess magnetic fields can last a long time. That's literally what they said. They've done that over and over and over again with our information. So do not let them try to tell you we're not scientists as well. We are scientists. Pray for Christian scientists. And maybe you have a call here to be one, young people. Grow up and be one and serve our nation and serve our people. Amen? And so there's Christians who try to adopt these things. I don't have time to get all into it, but don't adopt the world's view. You want to know why? Because in those 11 chapters of Genesis, you want to know what's at stake there? Look at what's at stake in these 11 chapters of Genesis. The first 11, the doctrine of God as a good creator. How many we saw he's a good creator? Everything was perfect. It's messed up because we sinned, not because of him. How many saw the power of God? When he spoke it, it happened. Amen. How many saw the creative nature of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Because we can look at all these beautiful creatures. How many saw that there was one human race? How many saw the beauty of marriage, the beauty of procreation, the beauty of family, not killing them? How many saw the beauty of a human dominion that we rule and reign? How many saw, as we keep reading the chapter 3, we've talked about here the fall of sin, though. See, that's not a myth. That is what literally happened the curse of our earth and why it is the way it is. How about the prophecy of the coming serpent crusher that just as literal as the serpent was in that garden is as literal as Jesus is many thousands of years later crushing him on that cross. How about the holiness code of starting to wear clothes and aren't you glad you're not naked today? That came from God clothing us and that's the first start of a holiness code. We'll be different. And then how many know if what he said at the beginning was going to be restored at the end, the beginning has to be real. You see, what we don't want to do is give up our beliefs, 
I'll debate with them all day long, but I'm not giving up my Bible to come on quote-unquote neutral ground. They don't take off their worldview glasses when they do science. I'm not taking off my worldview glasses to do science. I come in believing this world was created by my God. So don't give up your worldview. Be the best scientist as a Christian. Be the best doctor as a Christian. Be the best worker as a Christian. Don't stop being a Christian wherever you go, especially in science. Because once again, what is the foundation for their worldview? They use logic. They try to say, I'm going to be real logical with you now and disprove the Bible. But where does logic come from? Where does uniformity of nature come from? Why is nature the way it is? Why should we be moral? See, all those things come from the Bible, don't they? If you don't have the Bible, you don't have the foundation. So how should we look at the world? Through our biblical lenses and say, yeah, I'm going to interpret this through God's word. I'm going to look at the dinosaur flesh and go, man, that's, that's pretty cool. A few thousand years old, not millions and millions of years. I'm going to look at the mag magnetic field of Earth and these planets and go, yeah, that makes sense. Because remember, he didn't make a baby planet. He made a full planet. He didn't make baby stars. He made real stars. And so everybody give me your attention here in closing. I know I've went a little bit long, but watch this. If creation is real, then the consummation of the ages is real. Because this is how we go from creation to corruption to the catastrophe of Noah's flood to the confusion of Tower of Babel. That's why there's different people groups in the world to Christ coming and dying on the cross and then one day death being done away with. If you don't believe creation, tell me how you're going to believe all the rest of that. And let me end with the Bible, how it ends. Last chapter in the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. Look at what it says. Tell me if this is a parable. Revelation chapter 22, we read the first chapter of the Bible, let's read the last. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal. Wasn't there a river in the garden? There was. Flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Only difference now, instead of them being in their heavenly realms, now Father and Son are right there with us. Now watch. On each side of the river stood the what? The tree of life. Oh, that tree of life, that was just a myth. That was a story. Don't you know that wasn't really there? No, nope, tree of life is there. It's right there. Bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. Sounds like a garden to me. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city. And so now instead of just a garden, now it's a garden-like city. The Bible talks about New Jerusalem. Then what the Bible says is his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. Looks like we get an upgrade now, no more night. And there will be no more need of a light, of a lamp, or the light of the sun. And I love this. Get this. Because every time an evolutionist tries to explain Genesis as a Christian, they always run into the problem of where's light coming from without a sun. I think God just did that to show us I've always been the light, guys. These are just cheap invitations. There's no need of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. How many want to believe that today? Will you stand up and give it up for Jesus? Come on, band. Come on up here as they clap for Jesus today, altar workers. If you believe creation, you will believe the consummation. The way it started is the way it's going to end. And just like my God, he ends it better than he began it. Are you an evolved primate? No, you're made in the image of God. You have a right to have life and liberty. Today, use your life for the purpose of God in this creation. Subdue the earth. Be fruitful. Multiply. Be good at what you do. And let God use you. Let God use you until he comes to establish his kingdom. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, use us. Come on, how many want to be used today by God? Raise up your hands and say, I believe, Lord, use me. Use me, Jesus. I want to be creative like how you're creative, Jesus. I want to be used by you. Use me, Jesus. Use me, Lord. I want to subdue the earth, not in a wicked way, but in a good way. I want to subdue cancer and see it cured. I want to subdue violence. I want to see justice in politics. 
Lord, I want to see families be blessed and subdue evil in their homes. Lord, today may Christians rule and reign with you. May we rule and reign with you and believe what you said. Let us believe what Jesus said. How is God going to use you in the world today? What's he going to use you to do for his kingdom? Take 30 seconds and lay it out and ask him to bless you. Do you know why your family has value? It's because God created you to be in a family. Husbands, love your wives as Christ does the church. Wives, submit unto your husbands as the church submits unto Christ. Children, obey your parents. That matters. Be fruitful. Increase in number. Be successful today in all that you do. A few more moments. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he shine his face upon you. Those of you who might feel like you're all alone in the world, that you're nothing but an ape or an animal, that's not true. You're special to God. You're more special than a sparrow. You're not alone today. If evil is happening and you're wondering, how can a God allow evil? It's because he gave us a choice. So now resist the evil. Don't let evil make you depressed. Don't let evil take you away from God's love. Read the book. It tells you he's a good God. He loves you. He's never left you. And he's going to work out, the Bible says, all the evil, even the Holocaust, even slavery. He's going to work it out for his good. In the name of Jesus, may we believe what you have taught us. May we live it according to your word. Andrew, would you put up the doxology, please? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. I want to sing it in closing today. How many are going to go back and study your notes? Learn a little bit? Go check it out. Let's sing this in closing today. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures. Come on, y'all can help me. Come on, sing it. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father Son. Let's sing it one more time now that you know it. Everybody, all the bands singing nice and loud.